0: Chapter twenty nine of the Wide Wide World This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget The Wide Wide World by Susan Warner Chapter twenty nine Stockings to which the Bablu was nothing Christmas morning was dawn and grey, but it was still far from broad daylight, when Ellen was awakened. She found little Ellen Chauncey pulling and pushing at her shoulders, and whispering, Ellen, Ellen, in a tone that showed a great fear of waking somebody up. There she was, in nightgown and nightcap, and barefooted, too, with a face brimful of excitement and as wide awake as possible. Ellen roused herself in no little surprise, and asked what the matter was. "'I am going to look at my stocking,' whispered her visitor. "'Don't you want to get up and come with me? It's just here in the other room. Come, don't make any noise.' "'But what if you should find nothing in it?' said Ellen, laughingly, as she bounded out of bed. "'Ah, but I shall, I know. I always do. Never fear.' Hush, step ever so softly. I don't want to wake anybody. It's hardly light enough for you to see, whispered Ellen, as the two little barefooted white figures glided out of the room. Oh, yes, it is. That's all the fun. Hush, don't make a bit of noise. I know where it hangs. Mamma always puts it at the back of her big easy chair. Come this way. Here it is. Oh, Ellen, there's two of them. There's one for you. There's one for you. In a tumult of delight, one Ellen capered about the floor on the tips of her bare toes, while the other, not less happy, stood still for pleasure. The dancer finished by hugging and kissing her with all her heart, declaring she was so glad she didn't know what to do. "'But how shall we know which is which?' "'Perhaps they are both alike,' said Ellen. "'No, at any rate, one's for me, and t'other's others for you. Stop, here are pieces of paper with our names on, I guess. Let's turn the chair a little bit to the light. There, yes.' ellen m o n there that's yours my name doesn't begin with an m and this is mine another caper round the room and then she brought up in front of the chair where ellen was still standing i wonder what's in em she said i want to look and i don't want to come you begin but that's no stocking of mine said ellen a smile gradually breaking upon her sober little face my leg never was as big as that stuff doesn't it said ellen Chauncey. Oh, do make haste, and see what is in yours. I want to know so. I don't know what to do. Well, will you take out of yours as fast as I take out of mine? Well! Oh, mysterious delight and delightful mystery, of the stuffed stockings! Ellen's trembling fingers sought the top, and then very suddenly left it. I can't think what it is, said she, laughing. It feels so funny. Oh, never mind. Make haste, said Ellen Chauncey. It won't hurt you, I guess. No, it won't hurt me, said Ellen. But— She drew forth a great bunch of white grapes. "'Splendid, isn't it?' said Ellen Chauncey. "'Now for mine.' It was the counterpart of Ellen's bunch. "'So far, so good,' said she. "'Now for the next.' The next thing in each stocking was a large horn of sugar-plums. "'Well, that's fine, isn't it?' said Ellen Chauncey. "'Yours is tied with white ribbon, and mine with blue. That's all the difference. "'Oh, and your paper's red, and mine is purple.' "'Yes, and the pictures are different,' said Ellen.' "'Well, I had rather they would be different, wouldn't you? "'I think it's just as pleasant. "'One's as big as the other, at any rate. "'Come, what's next?' "'Ellen drew out a little bundle, which, being opened, "'proved to be a nice little pair of dark kid gloves. "'Oh, I wonder who gave me this,' she said. "'It's just what I wanted. "'How pretty! "'Oh, I'm so glad. "'I guess who it was.' "'Oh, look here,' said the other Ellen, "'who had been diving into her stocking. "'I've got a ball. "'This is just what I wanted, too.' "'George told me if I'd get one, he'd show me how to play. "'Isn't it pretty? Isn't it funny we should each get just what we wanted? "'Oh, this is a very nice ball. I'm glad I've got it. "'Why, here's another great round thing in my stocking. "'What can it be? They wouldn't give me two balls,' said she, chuckling. "'So there is in mine,' said Ellen. "'Maybe they're apples?' "'They aren't. They wouldn't give us apples. "'Besides, it is soft. Pull it out and see.' "'Then they are oranges,' said Ellen, laughing. I never felt such a soft orange," said little Ellen Chauncey. Come, Ellen, stop laughing and let's see. They were two great scarlet-satin pincushions with E.C. and E.M., very neatly stuck in pins. Well, we shan't want pins for a good while, shall we? said Ellen. Who gave us these? I know, said little Ellen Chauncey, Mrs. Bland. She was very kind to make one for me, said Ellen. Now for the next. Her next thing was a little bottle of cologne water. I can tell who put that in, said her friend. "'Aunt Sophia. I know her little bottles of cologne water. "'Do you love cologne water? Aunt Sophia's is delicious.' "'Ellen did like it very much, and was extremely pleased. "'Ellen Chauncey had also a new pair of scissors, which gave entire satisfaction. "'Now, I wonder what all this toe is stuffed with,' said she. "'Raisins and almonds, I declare, and yours the same, isn't it? "'Well, don't you think we have got enough sweet things? "'Isn't this a pretty good Christmas?' "'What are you about, you monkeys?' cried the voice of Aunt Sophia, from the dressing-room door. "'Alice, Alice, do look at them. Come right back to bed, both of you. Crazy Pates, it is lucky it is Christmas Day. If it was any other in the year, we should have you both sick in bed. As it is, I suppose you will go scot-free.' Laughing and rosy with pleasure, they came back and got into bed together, and for an hour afterwards the two kept up a most animated conversation. Intermixed with long chuckles and bursts of merriment and whispered communications of immense importance. The arrangement of the painted needle book was entirely decided upon in this consultation, also two or three other matters, and the two children seemed to have already lived a day since daybreak by the time they came down to breakfast. After breakfast Ellen applied secretly to Alice to know if she could write very beautifully. She exceedingly wanted something done. I should not like to venture, Ellie, if it must be so super-fine. But John can do it for you. Can he? Do you think he would? I'm sure he will, if you ask him. But I don't like to ask him, said Ellen, casting a doubtful glance at the window. Nonsense! He's only reading the newspaper. You won't disturb him. Well, you won't say anything about it? Certainly not. Ellen accordingly went near, and said gently, Mr. Humphreys. But he did not seem to hear her. Mr. Humphreys— A little louder. "'He has not arrived yet,' said John, looking round gravely. He spoke so gravely that Ellen could not tell whether he were joking or serious. Her face of extreme perplexity was too much for his command of countenance. "'Whom do you want to speak to?' said he, smiling. "'I wanted to speak to you, sir,' said Ellen, "'if you are not too busy.' "'Mr. Humphreys is always busy,' said he, shaking his head. "'But Mr. John can attend to you at any time.' And John will do for you whatever you please to ask him. Then, Mr. John, said Ellen, laughing, if you please, I wanted to ask you to do something for me very much indeed, if you are not too busy. Alice said I shouldn't disturb you. Not at all. I've been long enough over this stupid newspaper. What is it? I want you, if you will be so good, said Ellen, to write a little bit for me on something very beautifully. Very beautifully? Well, come to the library. We will see. But it is a great secret, said Ellen. "'You won't tell anybody.' "'Tortures shan't draw it from me, when I know what it is,' said he, with one of his comical looks. In high glee, Ellen ran for the pieces of bristol-board which were to form the backs of the needle-book, and brought them to the library, and explained how room was to be left in the middle of each for a painting, a rose on one, a butterfly on the other, the writing to be as elegant as possible, above, beneath, and round about, as the fancy of the writer should choose.' "'Well, what is to be inscribed on this most original of needle-books?' said John, as he carefully mended his pen. "'Stop,' said Ellen. "'I'll tell you in a minute. On this one the front, you know, is to go, "'To my dear mother, many happy New Year's,' and on this side, "'from her dear little daughter, Ellen Chauncey. "'You know,' she added, "'Mrs. Chauncey isn't to know anything about it till New Year's Day, nor anybody else. "'Trust me,' said John, "'if I am asked any questions, they shall find me as obscure as an oracle.' "'What is an oracle, sir?' "'Why,' said John, smiling, "'this pen won't do yet. "'The old heathens believed "'there were certain spots on earth "'to which some of their gods "'had more favour than to others, "'and where they would permit mortals "'to come near to them, "'and would even deign "'to answer their questions.' "'And did they?' said Ellen. "'Did they what? "'Did they answer their questions?' "'Did who answer their questions?' "'The—' "'Oh, to be sure,' said Ellen, "'there were no such gods. "'But what made people think "'they answered them? "'And how could they ask questions?' I suppose it was a contrivance of the priests, to increase their power and wealth. There was always a temple built near, with priests and priestesses. The questions were put through them, and they would not ask them, except on great occasions, or for people of consequence, who could pay them well, by making splendid gifts to the God. But I should think the people would have thought the priest or priestess had made up the answers themselves. Perhaps they did, sometimes, but people had not the Bible then, and did not know as much as we know. It was not unnatural to think the gods would care a little for the poor people that lived on earth. Besides, there was a good deal of management and trickery about the answers of the oracle that helped to deceive. "'How was it?' said Ellen. "'How could they manage? And what was the oracle?' The oracle was either the answer itself, or the god who was supposed to give it, or the place where it was given, and there were different ways of managing. At one place the priest hid himself in the hollow body, or among the branches of an oak tree.' and people thought the tree spoke to them. Sometimes the oracle was delivered by a woman, who pretended to be put into a kind of fit, tearing her hair and beating her breast. But suppose the oracle made a mistake? What would the people think then? The answers were generally contrived so that they would seem to come true in any event. "'I don't see how they could do that,' said Ellen. "'Very well. Just imagine that I am an oracle, and come to me with some question. I'll answer you.' "'But you can't tell what's going to happen.' "'No matter, you ask me truly, and I'll answer you oracorally.' "'That means, like an oracle, I suppose,' said Ellen. "'Well, Mr. John, will Alice be pleased with what I'm going to give her New Year?' "'She will be pleased with what she will receive on that day.' "'Ah!' but," said Ellen, laughing, "'that isn't fair. You haven't answered me. "'Perhaps somebody else will give her something, "'and then she might be pleased with that and not with mine.' "'Exactly. But the oracle never means to be understood.' "'Well, I won't come to you,' said Ellen. "'I don't like such answers. "'Now for the needle-book.' Breathlessly she looked on while the skilful pen did its work, and her exclamations of delight and admiration, when the first cover was handed to her, were not loud, but deep. "'It will do, then, will it? "'Now let us see. "'From her dear little daughter. "'There, now. "'Ellen Chauncey, I suppose must be in hieroglyphics.' "'In what?' said Ellen. "'I mean, written in some difficult character.' "'Yes,' said Ellen. "'But what was that you said?' "'Hieroglyphics.' Ellen added no more, though she was not satisfied. He looked up and smiled. "'Do you want to know what that means?' "'Yes, if you please,' said Ellen. The pen was laid down while he explained, to a most eager little listener. Even the great business of the moment was forgotten. From hieroglyphics they went to pyramids. And Ellen had got to the top of one, and was enjoying the prospect, in imagination, when she suddenly came down to tell John of her stuffed stocking and its contents. The pen went on again and came to the end of the writing by the time Ellen had got to the toe of the stocking. "'Wasn't it very strange they should give me so many things?' said she. "'People that don't know me?' "'Why no,' said John, smiling. "'I cannot say I think it was very strange. "'Is this all the business you had for my hands?' "'That is all, and I am very much obliged to you, Mr. John.' Her grateful, affectionate eye said much more, and he felt well paid. Gilbert was next applied to, to paint the rose and the butterfly, which, finding so excellent a beginning made in the work, he was very ready to do. The girls were then free to set about the embroidery of the leaves, which was by no means the business of an hour. A very happy Christmas day was that, with their needles and thimbles, and rose-colored silk, they kept by themselves in a corner, or in the library, out of the way, and sweetening their talk with a sugar-plum now and then, neither tongues nor needles knew any flagging. It was wonderful what they found so much to say. But there was no lack— ellen chauncey especially was inexhaustible several times too that day the cologne bottle was handled the gloves looked at and fondled the ball tried and the new scissors extolled as just the thing for their work ellen attempted to let her companion into the mystery of oracles and hieroglyphics but was fain to give it up little ellen showed a decided preference for american not to say ventnor subjects where she felt more at home then came mr humphreys and ellen was glad both for her own sake and because she loved to see alice pleased then came the great merry christmas dinner when the girls had not talked themselves out but tired themselves with working young and old dined together to-day and the children not sat by themselves but scattered among the grown-up people and as ellen was nicely placed between alice and little ellen chauncey she enjoyed it all very much the large long table surrounded with happy faces, tones of cheerfulness and looks of kindness and lively talk, the superb display of plate and glass and china, the stately dinner, and last but not least, the plum pudding. There was sparkling wine, too, and a great deal of drinking of healths, but Ellen noticed that Alice and her brother smilingly drank all theirs in water. So, when old Mr. Marshman called her to hold out her glass, she held it out to be sure, and let him fill it, but she lifted her tumbler of water to her lips instead, after making him a very low bow. Mr. Marshman laughed at her a great deal, and asked her if she was a proselyte to the new notions. And Ellen laughed with him, without having the least idea what he meant, and was extremely happy. It was very pleasant, too, when they went into the drawing-room to take coffee. The young ones were permitted to have coffee to-night as a great favor. Old Mrs. Marshman had the two little ones on either side of her, and was so kind, and held Ellen's hand in her own, and talked to her about her mother, till Ellen loved her. After tea there was a great call for games, and young and old joined in them. They played the old curiosity shop, and Ellen thought Mr. John's curiosities could not be matched. They played the old family coach, Mr. Howard Marshman being the manager, and Ellen laughed till she was tired. She was the coach door. AND HE KEPT HER OPENING AND SHUTTING, AND SWINGING AND BREAKING IT SEEMED ALL THE WHILE, THOUGH MOST OF THE REST WERE WORKED JUST AS HARD. WHEN THEY WERE WELL TIRED, THEY SAT DOWN TO REST AND HEAR MUSIC, AND ELLEN ENJOYED THAT EXCEEDINGLY. ALICE SANG, AND MRS. GILLESPIE, AND MISS SOPHIA, AND ANOTHER LADY, AND MR. HOWARD, SOMETIMES ALONE, SOMETIMES THREE OR FOUR, or ALL TOGETHER. AT LAST CAME TEN O'CLOCK, AND THE YOUNG ONES WERE SENT OFF, AND FROM BEGINNING TO END THAT HAD BEEN A CHRISTMAS DAY OF UNBROKEN AND UNCLOUDED PLEASURE. Ellen's last act was to take another look at her cologne bottle, gloves, pincushion, grapes, and paper of sugar plums, which were laid side by side carefully in a drawer. End of chapter 29.